Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. I'm also really excited because we're starting a new series tonight. Who's excited? We're starting a new Wednesday night series tonight. Um, I'm really pumped about it. Uh, I'm really excited. So don't miss a Wednesday for the next few Wednesdays, okay? Because it's like you missing um, a part of the trilogy, okay? Uh, like you don't want to miss Star Wars you know, two and see one and three, right? You want to see all of them, okay? So make sure you don't miss a Wednesday because uh, it's going to be really good. But before I get into the, uh, the series or break it down, let's go into Scripture, the, the Scripture that this series is based on, which is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. Proverbs 3, um, verse 5 through 6, and it says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Someone say all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Everybody say understanding. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. So what I've learned is one of the strongest human conditions or or desires that we have as humanity is that we have to know everything. We have this need to know everything. We have this need to know what's going on and how it's going to work out. Like we have this... uh, this desire to know when it's going to happen, how things are going to happen, why things are going on. Um, and like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like a pressure to have to know everything that's going on in my life. Like, I, I need to know where I'm going to be in five years. I need to know how this is going to happen. I need to know how that's going to happen. Like, I feel this pressure to need uh, to know. And I really think that that is a human desire because when you have that false sense of knowing, you get that false sense of control over your life. And you think the more we know, the more we control. Uh, my little uh, brother-in-law, um, Josh, he has this problem pretty bad. By that, I mean we will be in a community. We'll be talking. I'll be talking with somebody, and he'll be outside of the house or room. And in mid-conversation, he'll walk into the room and interrupt us because he wants to know what we're talking about. And he wants us to catch him up on the speed. He needs to know why we're talking about this. He needs to know what we're talking about. He needs to know this. He's like, hey, hey, what, what, what's going on? Tell me what's going on. He does that all the time. And every time he interrupts my conversation, wanting to know and catch him up on the stories or what was said, I say, dude, look, you don't need to know. I say, dude, you don't need to know everything. I feel like in the same way God is looking down on us and we're asking all these questions of him. We're asking, God, how is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? God, why is this happening? We're trying to get all these questions figured out. And God's looking at us and saying, hey, look, you don't need to know everything. You don't need to know when. You don't need to know how. You don't need to know why. All you need to know is me. And all you need to know is that I love you and will take care of you. You don't need to know anything else. Who knows that we just need to know Jesus. He's our good, good father and so as a follower of Jesus we have to learn to be okay with not knowing everything turn to your neighbor say I don't know but that's okay and that is the title of the series that we're going to be talking about the next few Wednesdays is I don't know but that's okay there's almost freedom in that saying of saying hey look I don't know but that's okay because you see, sometimes we feel such pressure, because I know there's some control freaks in the room who need to know everything, who need to control everything. So this might be a free, and you might need to say this again, this for your own freedom, and say, hey, look, I don't know, but that's okay. I don't know, but that's okay. See, as followers of Christ, we have to 
be able to follow after Jesus even if we don't fully understand. We have to be able to follow after him because if you're one of those people who only do or only live within the boundaries of their understanding, can I tell you that's a limiting life to live? Isaiah 55 says that the Lord's ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. So if we live this life of faith based on our own understanding, that's a limited life to live. So we have to learn to be okay with not knowing everything. We have to live to learn to follow after Jesus even if we don't know when or how or why or what. See, because if we knew everything, life might be easier, but faith would be impossible. If we truly knew everything, life would be a whole lot easier, right? But that would make faith impossible because if we knew, if we knew everything, we wouldn't need God. In fact, if we knew everything that God knew, we would be God ourselves. But I can tell you we're not God and we need God. We need him in our lives because even when we don't know, we have to have that trust in him that God is in control. Even though I don't know how it's going to end, even though I don't know step one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But what I do know is that I have a father in heaven, that he will take care of me, that he will guide my steps. We have to be okay with not knowing everything. We have to be okay with not knowing the how, the when, the what, the where, the why. We have to be okay as followers of Jesus because there's freedom in knowing that you don't have to know everything. There's freedom in knowing that I don't have to have my life all figured out to still be in the will of God. There's freedom in that. I don't know, but that's okay. Y'all ready for this series? Because part one starts right now. Part one, we're going to pick up in Genesis 15. That was the introduction to the series of why. Now let's get into part one. Genesis 15, uh, verse one through six, and a little context about this is that Abraham, um, he has just gone out of battle and defeating four different kings all at the same time, foreign nations. And so he's pretty tired and he's pretty worn out right now. But this is what it says in Genesis 15, verse 1 through 6. It says, sometime later, turn to your neighbor and say, they don't, they don't say when. It says, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision. And said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. In the New King James Version, it says that the Lord said that I am your reward. Did you know that the greatest reward you could receive is God himself? That the, the biggest blessing you could receive in your life is not financial prosperity or social platforms, but it's being able to call yourself a son and daughter of God. That's the greatest blessing in your life. Like the greatest blessing God can give you is himself. The greatest blessing that we have is God. And we're able to be in the presence of the Almighty. I know that's a hard thing to wrap our minds around, but that is the greatest reward of following God is that we get to be able to be in the presence of God. It's that we'll be able to call ourselves friends of God. That's, that's what God was telling Abram is saying, hey, your greatest reward, reward for following after me is me. That's our greatest reward is being able to be called friends of God. Verse 2, but Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when? Everybody say when. When I don't even have a son. Since you've given me no children, Eleazar of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. He have, you have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own. 
who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. So Abram responded by asking the Lord when this all would happen. Reading scripture, that's not what he says. So Abram responds to the Lord by saying, okay, God, that's awesome, but can you schedule it in my Google calendar of when exactly that's going to happen? Can you give me a due date? Can you, can you tell me? No, it says Abraham didn't respond by saying, okay, God, that's great. Now tell me when. It says that, and the, Abram believed the Lord, period. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. See, God didn't give Abram a due date. Uh, God didn't tell Abram when that promised son of Isaac would come. God didn't tell him when, but yet Abram still had faith to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to God's plan in his life. If there's one question that I hear the most, that we probably all get the most, is when, right? God, that's great, but when will that happen? God, when will my husband come or wife come? God, when will that promotion come? God, when will these promises come that you said will come? God, when will I be healed? God, when will my, my ch children be saved? God, when will it happen? But this, that's part one for tonight in this series is that one of the things that we have to be okay with not knowing is when it will happen. We have to be okay even when we don't know when. We have to be okay because can I tell you something? God will rarely, if ever, tell you when something's going to happen. Like if you're waiting for God to schedule something in your Google calendar and tell you this is when your promise is going to take place, you're going to be waiting a long time because that's not how God operates. He tells you the promise to come, but he doesn't give you the exact due date of when that promise is going to be here. See, we have to be okay even if we don't know when. Yet asking God when is probably the question we ask of him the most. God, when is this going to happen? God, when am I going to meet that right person? God, when am I going to get that promotion? God, when is this going to happen? But we have to be okay with not knowing when. See, as followers of Jesus, we have to be okay with, without fully knowing God's timing. We have to still be able to trust God, even if it's not going to happen according to our own timing. We have to be okay even if we don't know when. And why? That's point number one for tonight. It's because God wants our trust even if we don't know the timing. God wants our trust even if we don't know the timing. Abram was 75 when God told him you were going to have a son. Okay, if there's anybody around the age of 75, if God told you you're about to have a kid, wouldn't you say, hey, that's the wrong timing, God? Like, God, that's, uh, that time has passed. See, there will be times in our life that God will tell you something's about to happen, and you either say, hey, I'm too old, I'm too young, that's outside of my season, that's not according to when I will have it. But because, see, God will give you promises in your life that you are going to have to trust the timing of it. There's going to be promises that God's going to tell you that's going to take place that's going to go really exactly against of when you want it to happen. And sometimes it's frustrating to say, God, why do you do it that way? Why? Because he wants our trust. He doesn't want us to, to trust our own timing. He wants us to trust his timing because it takes a great amount of trust to say, Father, I don't know when, but that's okay. I don't know when all these things are going to happen, but God, that's not going to break my trust in you, Father, because I'm okay with not knowing when. We have to have that mentality as followers of Jesus saying, God, I don't know when, but that's okay. Because there's to be times in our lives where 
following after, after God, following after his timing, it's going to take a big amount, a big chunk of our trust of saying, God, this timing isn't going to look, doesn't look like it's going to work out. I'm, I'm Abram is saying, hey, God, I'm 75 years old, and you're saying I'm going to have a child. I don't understand that timing, but I don't have to understand. It's okay if I don't know when. I, it's okay because I trust you. Let's go a chapter later in Genesis chapter 16. And so now this is after God has promised Abraham of what was to come, after the, the promised son that would come. And it says in Genesis 16, it says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented. Everybody say prevented. The Lord has prevented me from having children. Don't let the enemy convince you that patience is prevention. Don't let the enemy convince you that this because you're waiting for something, that that means God is wasting your time. Because that's the number one thing that the enemy will try. Like he told Sarai, he said, look, I know God is telling you to be patient, but can I tell you right now, God is really trying to prevent you from everything that you want in life. Like that is the biggest lies of the enemy because patience is totally connected to promises. If you lack the patience, you will miss out on the promise. And so the enemy will try to convince you that patience is prevention when patience isn't prevention. Patience is God preparing you for the promise that he has for your life. Are you all hearing me tonight? Patience is not prevention. The enemy will try to convince you that you've been waiting too long on God. The enemy will try to convince you that it's time to throw in the towel. The enemy will try to convince you to say, hey, look, I know God promised you something, but you've been waiting so long. I think he's actually preventing you from something, and he will convince you of these lies and so that you will turn your back on God, on the promises he has for you because you're confused about how patience works. Because, see, when you don't trust God's timing, patience will feel like prevention. When you feel like you have to know everything, when you feel like you have to know the exact timing of everything, patience will feel like prevention. Like God will say, wait, and you say, well, hold up. I'm ready, God. Like, I don't know what you're thinking, but I know I'm ready. And you'll say, God, you're preventing me from this. God, you're preventing me from that. But if you are able to be in a place of humbleness and say, God, I don't understand your timing. I don't know. But then you say, but that's okay. You say, God, I'm not going to let the enemy convince you that me being patient right now is prevention because I know it's not. I know you're actually preparing me right now. We have to have that mindset because if we do that, I'm telling you, it's not going to be a promise we won't reach because we're convinced of the timing of God that it's greater than our timing. Y'all hearing me tonight? So we continue. said, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Then she said, go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed. Abram didn't even give up a fight. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So this scripture we just read happened 10 years after God promised um, that he would have a son through Sarah, through Sarai. Uh, ten years later, so he's at the age of 85. He's been waiting for ten years upon this promise of God. He's been waiting ten years for the timing of God to line up right. And he's getting anxious, and he's getting worried. And really what he's getting is frustrated with God's timing. 
Has anybody been frustrated with the time of God in this place? Am I the only one? Has anybody ever been frustrated and say, God, why not? Why not now? He's been getting frustrated with God's timing, but can I tell you, at that point of frustration is when the enemy will try to reveal uh, a, a different alternative, a fake alternative, an easy way out. Like every time you feel frustrated with God, the enemy will always try to give you a different alternative that will seem easier and more convenient. So Sarai was telling Abram, hey, look, we're old. We're like, I know God promised this, but I think God was confused because it's not going to happen. And we've been waiting for 10 years now. But I do have this servant named Hagar. And I guess technically we could have a son through her. And so they chose this convenient alternative that wasn't from God but from the enemy. And that's what the enemy wants us to do when we get frustrated. Is that every time we get frustrated with God's timing, the enemy always presents a fake alternative. An easy way out, a convenient way out of saying, hey, look, I know God promised you this, but why don't you settle for this instead? Because you can have it now. You can have it easier. You can have it more convenient. But if there's anybody in the house tonight who feels in the same frustration that Abram and Sarai is felt in this scripture, can I convince you to not give up and give in to the plans of the enemy? Can I convince you to not forfeit your purity for a quick relationship? Can I convince you to not give up on your dreams for a substandard one, for, for one to give up? Can I convince you right now to not give in to the, to the easy alternative that the enemy wants to present you as the solution to your life? Because can I tell you something? The enemy's timeline, it might be easier, it might be more convenient, but it's going to steal every promise that God has for you in your life. Because he will present some things that will be like a counterfeit of things, and then you will be able to think you have to give in to him. But I can say we don't have to give in to the enemy. If we hold on to God with this mindset of saying, no, look, 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 I don't know when, but that's okay. I don't know when exactly God's timing is, but that's okay because I'm not God, but I do trust God. We, if we have that mindset, even when the enemy tries to convince us of an easy way out, you're saying, hold up, no, 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 no. I'm waiting for God's best. I'm waiting for God's best to take place, not some kind of cheap alternative. That's point two for tonight, is that impatience produces counterfeit promises. Impatience produces counterfeit promises. See, impatience might be faster, but it will never be fulfilling. Abram was impatient with God, so he chose to sleep with Hagar to speed up the process. He, he became impatient. But can I tell you, Ishmael wasn't Isaac. Ishmael wasn't the promised son. Ishmael wasn't the one that God's covenant would go through. Ishmael was born out of impatience. I wonder how many counterfeit promises have been born in our life because of our impatience, because our willingness to give up on God's timing and take a hold of a cheap alternative. Because, see, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So anytime he presents you with something that might seem like it's going to ease your pain or ease your suffering, can I just tell you he's not trying to help you at all? Can I just tell you that the enemy's not trying to take weight off your shoulders at all? He's trying to destroy your life with counterfeit callings, with counterfeit promises, with trying to say, I know God told you this, but why don't you settle for that? I know God called you here, but why don't you do this? This calling over here is more convenient. The enemy will try to take things from you all because we're getting frustrated with this timing. But that's why this mindset is so important. I don't know, but that's okay because we're going to say, enemy, I know you're trying to convince me all these things, and I really don't know when it's going to happen, but that's okay. Because I know that God is faithful and that if he said it, it's going to happen. 
And I don't know about you, but I don't want to settle for anything less than God's best. I don't care what the enemy tries to present with, to myself. I don't care what it is. I don't want to settle for anything less than God's best. I don't want to settle for any counterfeit callings. or I don't want to forfeit our calling for anything because of convenience, but I want to go for God's best in my life. That's why it's so important to not give in to impatience, but resist the enemy. Because he will try to convince you of the easy alternative, but you have to stick to your faith. Let's go to the next chapter in Genesis 17. He says this in Genesis 17, uh, verse 15 through 19. It says, Then God said to Abraham, Regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai, but from now on her name will be Sarah. At this point in scripture where we picked up, I know it's just a chapter later, but it's actually 15 years later in their life. And so God is talking to Abraham um, and, and, and Sarah. And, and see, before the promised son would get to come, he first had to do some name changing in their lives. Like before some things take place in our lives, so you know that there's some changing on the inside of us that have to happen first. Like before we can fully step into God's promises, there's a process that has to take place on the inside of us, that sometimes patience, it really is preparation, that if we try to skip into God's will in a quick next day, that we're going to miss it. But God was preparing something on the inside of them, and it says that he changed um, their names, Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai's name to Sarah. Now, we could go deeper into the explanation of this, but we don't have time tonight. But basically what God was, was telling them by giving them an identity change, a name change, what he was telling them is saying, now you are mine and I'm going to be with you no matter what. And he was telling them that his spirit was going to be upon their lives or his breath was going to be upon his lives, on their lives. That's why Abram became Abraham and Sarai became Sarah to represent the breath of God in their life. You see, Abram, Abraham and Sarah, they weren't perfect. They made mistakes. We read, read it about Hagar. They were impatient. But you know what got them through to God's promises and what got them to the timing? Is God's breath, his spirit being on their lives. You know what's going to get us to God's timing? Because I'm not going to uh, sugarcoat it. God's timing is really hard. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be times where you're going to want to give in. But where you're going to find rest is going to be in his presence. Where you're going to find a newfound energy and faith is going to be in your worship time. It's going to be in your prayer time. It's going to be when you're reading the Word of God. That is when you're going to be refreshed by His presence. And you're going to be able to say, God, I still got the faith to see this through. God, I'm not going to give in yet. And His presence, his, your relationship with Him, that is what's going to build your faith to it. That's point number three for tonight is that our relationship with God will keep us on track with this timing. Our relationship with them will keep us on track with this timing. It's going to be in the frustrating times that our faith will be built by his voice. It's going to be in the times of panic when we're going to be able to find peace in his presence. Is there any witnesses in the house that can say, I've been in God's presence before, and I was at the end of my rope, but because I chose to spend time with him, now I feel like I can hang on even longer. That's what God's presence does in your life. If we don't have a healthy relationship with God, we're not going to hold on until the end. If we're only playing church, if we're only playing Christian, we're not going to be able to stick it to the end of the race because we need God's breath in our life. And when God changed Abram to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah, what he was saying is without my breath in your life, you're going to miss it. 
Without my spirit in your life, you're going to come up short. You're not going to be able to see the promises fill out in your life. But with my presence in your life, that's going to be what's going to carry you to my promises. And it's the same way in our lives. We can't kid anybody. If we, we, we can't step into God's promises on our own. We can't step into his best on our own alone. No, we need God with us every step of the way. And that's what's going to lead us there. Is anybody in the house who feels like they have forgotten or feels like they have missed out or feels like there's some promises that have become dormant or dead? Can I say that we serve a God? And this is what's awesome about the grace of God and the mercy of God is that we serve a creator, a father in heaven, that when we disappoint in a, in a heart of repentance, he gets us right back on track. That he gets us right back on track with his timing. That we might have missed out on 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. But the moment we say, God, forgive me for trying to do it my way and my timing, God, I want to follow after you. We get right back on track with his timing. So let nobody be discouraged in the house and thinking that your time has passed you by. No, have that heart. Say, God, come into my life. Father, lead my steps. I don't have to, I realize I don't have to know when or the time. I just got to have to know you. If you have that heart of repentance, God will bring you right back on track with his timing. Who's thankful for a God who gives us second chances even when we mess up? Because God could have easily left Abram and Sarai behind when they chose Hagar over him, when they chose a counterfeit over him. But he said, whoa, 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 no, no, no. They came with a heart of repentance, and he put them right back on track. With his timing. Continue verse 16. And the Lord said, I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed himself in disbelief. He said, How could I become a father at the age of a hundred? He thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? So Abraham said to God, he said, may Ishmael live under your special blessing. Abraham was months away from seeing the promise take place, but yet he was still so close to trying to choose Ishmael over Isaac. Can I just convince you, it's going to be at the time when your promise is on a breakthrough moment or just on the other side that the enemy will try his hardest to convince you to give up. Like the enemy will try to convince you to give up right when you're on the finish line. Like the enemy will push his hardest right when you're at the closest of your breakthrough. Why? Because he wants you to fail so bad. Because he knows what happens when people walk in the promises of God. He knows what happens when God's people begin to trust his promises. He knows what happens. You know what happens? God gets all the glory. That's what happens. And the enemy doesn't want God to get the glory. And so whenever we're at the closest point of our promise, he's going to give us the biggest push. He's going to try to convince us to settle for less. He's going to try to convince us to give up on our dream. But let us not be discouraged in knowing that that pushback doesn't mean we're going the wrong direction, but the right direction. And that this promise that God has for me is going to, be, it's going to happen in my life. And it doesn't matter what the enemy tries to do. I'm not going to settle for anything less than God's best. 19, but God replies, he said, no. He says, Sarah, your wife. <laughs> he was like, hey, if you're confused, Hagar's not your wife. He said, no, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you, and you will name him Isaac. Everybody say Isaac. And I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. God gave Isaac a name 
even before he was born. Even before Isaac was born, God already gave him a name. Before we see it, most of the times we have to speak it first. Before we step into it, before it becomes a reality, we most of the time have to speak out by faith. And now don't be confused. I'm not saying name it and claim it. I'm not saying God give me a Lamborghini, he'll give you a Lamborghini. Don't be confused. I'm saying 1 John 5.14, which says that we have this confidence in God that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. So a lot of times that we have to speak God's will over our life, we have to say that we will see our lost loved ones be saved. We have to say that we will see the hurt be healed. We have to be able to say, no, God, I am going to see your promises come place in my life. I'm going to say it even before I see it. I'm going to speak your will even before I see your will taking place in my life. And that's how we begin to see it take place. Isaac wasn't even born yet, but God said, hey, you will name him Isaac. I know he's not even a thought. I know he's not even a reality, but that's going to be his name. We have to be able to have the faith to speak it a lot of times before we see it. We have to have that faith to say, God, it might not look like it. I know your timing's difficult. Abram was even laughing to himself saying, God, I'm 100 and Sarah is 90. The math doesn't work, God. But he was saying, no, no, look, you better speak it before you say it, before you, before you see it. And it came into fruition. Stay with me tonight as I'm closing. Close to Genesis 21. So all this time has passed. 25 years has passed in their life. And this is where we pick up in Genesis 21. It says, the Lord kept his word. It said, the Lord kept his word. If you want to know why you and I can trust God no matter what, you want to know why you and I put our trust not in people, not in politics, not in the world, not in anything else, but in God. You know why? Because he's a man of his word. And as much as we can try to trust people, people will fail us. As much as we can try to tr trust politics, politics will fail us. But God will never fail us. God is a man of his word. And if he says it, you're going to see it. If he spoke it over your life, you're going to step into it. He's a man of his word. That's why we can put our trust into him. That's why we can say, Father, I trust you no matter what. Because we have that confidence of knowing that he's a man of his word. He said, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time. Everybody say, just in time just the time that God said it would. I know people are struggling tonight with the timing of things and saying, I've been praying for, for my daughter to, to start coming to church for years now and I'm about to give up or I've been, I've been praying to, to see this promotion or to see this promise or see this happen in my life for so long now and I'm about to give up because can I say it, it's, it's frustrating, it's difficult sometimes. But let me encourage you with this thought that God's timing is worth the wait. God's timing is worth the wait. That the promise is worth the perseverance. That the promise is worth the process. That the promise is worth the patience. That God's timing, it's worth the wait. There's been times I know we can all be witnesses of it, that we try to live life according to our timing and realize we made a big mistake. 
realize we try to do things we weren't ready for, that we tried to move on in relationships that we weren't ready for, that we tried to do things that we weren't graced for. But God's timing is worth the wait. God's timing is what will place us exactly where he wants us. God's timing is when we're able to step into something that even when we try to step in beforehand or outside of God's will, it didn't work out. But when we step into it in God's timing, all of a sudden the fruit came from it. All of a sudden we're able to see blessings from it. Why? Because God's timing is worth the wait. God's timing is worth the wait. On every bed, with every head bowed and eyes closed. Father, let your Holy Spirit begin to encourage us right now in this moment. That Jesus, we begin to profess, Father, that we're not going to give up on your promises. That, Father, begin to remind us of promises. Begin to remind us of dormant dreams, God. Begin to remind us of things we've given up on because, God, it's still possible in your timing. Father, it's not over yet in your timing. Things haven't gone too far, God. You're In your timing, Father, we're never too old. We're never too young. We're never past that point, God, because in your timing, every thing can be made right in its season. So, Father, begin to encourage us right now, Father, that we're not going to give up, God, that we're not going to settle, God, that we're going to be okay with not knowing when, that we're going to be okay with not knowing the timing of everything, but instead we're going to encourage ourselves that knowing that all we have to do is trust the Alpha and the Omega, trust the Lord Almighty, trust our Father in heaven and say, God, if you said it, I'm going to see it. Father, if you spoke it, I'm going to see it in my life, and I'm not going to settle for any kind of counterfeit. I'm not going to be convinced, Father, of anything less than your best, but God, I'm going to hang on to your promises, and I know that your promises, it comes with a patience. It comes with a perseverance, but Father, it's worth the wait. Your timing is worth the wait. Your promises are worth it, Father. I'm going to stick with you till the end. I'm not going to let no person, I'm going to let no devil, I'm not going to let nobody convince me of anything less, God, to give up on my dreams to give up on your will. No, God, I'm going to stick to your promises no matter what. Father, I'm going to stick with you through thick and thin. God, even when it's season out, it's whatever it is, God, it's your time and I choose, not mine. Father, I don't know when, but that's okay because I know you and I know you're going to take care of me and I know that you're a man of your word and that I can trust you with the timing. Come on, begin to just stir us up, Holy Spirit. Begin to just crowd out faith and confidence in you from the inside of us and church family as you begin to feel it begin to speak it begin to God God praise and begin to sing it come on let's sing together thank you for listening to today's message if you liked what you heard be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend for more information about who we are visit riversidechurchtx.com